0: Tonight, our topic out of the book of Jeremiah is from Jeremiah chapter 27, as well as 2 Kings 24. titled this one, Serve Babylon, and that's kind of a strange title, right? Uh, strange theme for a sermon, especially when uh, the Bible says, come out of Babylon, uh, but we'll see why. I mean, this was a difficult chapter uh, for me to come up with a sermon on. Uh, trying to be faithful to the Word of God and try and preach as many of the chapters as possible uh, through the book of Jeremiah. And since this one also overlaps with this 2 Kings 24, uh, I felt it was hard to just ignore it. But what's the story there for us? What's God's message there for us? And so I wrestled with that, praying and wrestling in prayer. And, um, and so hopefully we can learn some lessons from this chapter um, that to us today. So starting with 2 Kings 24, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made Jehoiakim his servant for three years. So Jehoiakim had been reigning a total of 11 years. And so in the last three years, uh, Babylon had come in and, uh, and made Jehoiakim their servant. Then Jehoiakim turned and rebelled against him. And the Lord sent against him bands of the Chaldeans, the Syrians, the Moabites, the Ammonites, to destroy Judah according to the word of the Lord for the sins of Manasseh. Now, Manasseh was king. He was Jehoiakim's maybe grandfather, great-grandfather. He uh, forget just a few kings uh, before. Uh, about 40 years, reigned about 40 years before this point in time. And God is still placing the blame for the destruction that's coming upon Judah because of Manasseh. Manasseh reigned 50-something years. He was horrible his whole life. But at the very end, he turns to the Lord, repents, and gives his life to the Lord, and I think we'll see him in heaven. But the sins they had laid out for those 50 years were so entrenched in the people's mind, even 40 years later, and then even after Manasseh, the king, and then another king after, we have Josiah, who was a great king, and reigned for like 20-something years as a great king, and did great revivals in the land. But it was not enough to turn the tide. And so how, here now, even now, Manasseh is still being brought up as being the cause of the blame, the cause of the destruction of Judah. I mean, that would be like putting the blame on the United States of today on, on Jimmy Carter or something like that. Well, that might... Be, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you On second, though, <laughs> it might not be so far. But <laughs> nonetheless, we're not getting political. <laughs> all that. But 40 years earlier... Several kings earlier, and yet it was so entrenched. in our lives, you know, it's never too early to give our lives to the Lord because of the example that we leave for others, we may you know change our ways, we may give our hearts to the Lord, but the seeds of evil that we sowed prior to that time might never be able to be eradicated. They may still bear fruit, and that's what we see here. So Jehoiakim slept with his fathers, that meant he died, and Jehoiachin, uh, Jehoiachin, his son, reigned in his stead. This is Josiah, that good king, Josiah's now grandson, now becomes king. Jehoiakim was the second of the sons of Judah, Jo- uh, Josiah, who reigned. So Josiah had uh, the, the two of his sons already reigning, and then his grandson reigning. And the first two, not in order of their birth, but the first two that reigned did not follow in their father's, Josiah's footsteps. Jehoiachim was, Jehoiachim was 18 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months and ten days, according to the 2nd Chronicles, the 2nd Chronicles tells us exactly how long. Three months and ten days. That's how long he lasted. He did that which is evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father had done. That's a sad testimony. Sad, sad testimony. Nebuchadnezzar came against Jerusalem and besieged it. Jehoiachin, was king of Judah. When uh, uh, king of Judah, went out to, to the king of Babylon, he and his mother and his servants and his princes and his officers and the king of Babylon took them. So he goes out there pleading on the mercy of Nebuchadnezzar with his whole family. Have mercy on us, Nebuchadnezzar says, no problem. He comes and takes him away and he locks him up. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar's son ends up being fairly nice to him, and takes him out of prison and lets him eat at the king's table. But he's in there for a long time. And he carried out, Nebuchadnezzar carried out all the treasures of the house of the Lord, verse 13, and of the king's house, and cut in pieces all the vessels of gold which Solomon, king of Israel, had made in the temple of the Lord. So we're about 400 years from Solomon's time at this point. Some of the gold vessels were still there. Many had been sold off and given to Egypt or to the Assyrians in peace deals. And so now, the, the some of what's remaining, they cut up into pieces and bring to Babylon with them. Nebuchadnezzar carried away all Jerusalem and all the princes and all the mighty men of valor, even 10,000 captives. None remained, save the poorest sort of the people of the land. All the men of might, even 7,000, and craftsmen and smith, 1,000, all that were strong and apt for war. They get taken and dragged to Babylon. And so this might be the time, or maybe the time prior, when um, when Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and um, Azariah get taken to Babylon as well. Jeremiah and Baruch and some of the others get left there in Jerusalem. The king of Babylon made his father's brother king in his stead, Zedekiah. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began to reign and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did that which was right in the sight of Uh, He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. So this is now the third son of Josiah because he's uh, Jehoiakim's uncle, his father's brother, right? So it means it's Josiah's son. So Josiah, good king, reigns as a good king, 20-something years, great revivals in the land. Three of his sons become king. One of his grandsons become king. None of them follow in his footsteps. That's a sad testimony. That's very sad. Sad for them, and sad for Judah. Because the revival that he started could have been continued by his sons, and all of history might have been different. Maybe you've had children, maybe even three children, maybe even more than three children, and you've raised them right, you've worked reforms in your life, you've worked reforms in your home, got rid of idols, got rid of things that weren't from heaven, brought in godliness, taught the way of the Lord, and still they departed and didn't follow God. Well, unfortunately, in that situation, we're in good company. Such as Josiah. Even Adam and Eve had problems with Achan. God had some problems with Adam and Eve as well. And so our chart, all the way from David, Solomon, all the way through the kings of Judah, we're at the very last king of Judah, Zedekiah. So we've covered this whole history, this whole time period, as well as the Psalms and the Proverbs and the Prophets that have correlated in the kings of Israel in the north through this time. We're up to the last king in our series on the kings of Israel and Judah, the king Zedekiah. So chapter 27, Jeremiah 27. In the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Make bonds and yokes and put them on your neck and send them to the kings of Edom, Moab, Tyre, Ammon, and Sidon by messengers who come to Jerusalem to Zedekiah, king of Judah. So God's sending a message not only through Jeremiah to these other kings at the beginning of Zedekiah's reign, but to all these other nations, he wants to send his message. Which tells us, right from the beginning, that God's love and God's message of truth has never been just for the Jewish people. God's always been sending out messages to the other nations. And we can look and we can say, oh, Israel you know, did bad and Judah did bad. But these other nations that have been receiving these type of messages from Jeremiah and other prophets prior to this, They never come around at this point as kings and as kingdoms. But God kept on sending them messages as well. God's love has always been for all people. God's desire, God's plan was to use Israel to be a light to all the nations of the world. God's plan is to continue. God's plan continues, that God wants his light to go to all the world. And so so he does this kind of a parabolic uh, analogy It puts those yokes on him and then bonds and then gives it to these messengers who come no doubt to Zedekiah as the new king to welcome him as new king and to um, congratulate him and, and to try and either influence or one way or another some kind of business deals or whatever. So they're coming from all these nations to Jerusalem. And so God sends a message from them. And we're unique in this area. We're very fortunate in this area. We've got a lot of tourism in this area. God can use us in just ministering to the people around us and taking the message to the world as they come in contact with us. God is allowing people from other nations to move into this country. It's a wonderful opportunity. You know, politically, well, that's a whole other story, but it's a wonderful opportunity for God's people to reach these people from from nations where we can't go. And they still have contacts there that they can reach. So God brings these kings of these different nations to Jerusalem, to Zedekiah, and God has Jeremiah waiting there. Are we there? Are we looking for the kings of Ammon and Edom and Moab and Tyre and Sin to walk across our path? Are we making ourselves available are we on the lookout for them? That's why we're using the Shalom Adventure uh, you know, magazine with the, with the sermons and with all the articles and to, to reach even beyond this area. Command them to say to their masters, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, thus you shall say to, their ma- to your masters, I have made the earth the man and the beast that are on the ground, by my great power and by my outstretched arm, I have given it to whom it seems proper to me. So God claims to be creator and ruler because of his creation over all, of all mankind, and that's a great message right there. That God is the creator. That God made everything. He made man, he made the earth, he made the beast. By his outstretched armed by his power. And he gives it to whom he seems proper to give it. God is still in control over the things. He's the owner of the universe. Now, unfortunately, Satan has become the manager by theft of this planet. And he has a lot of influence here and causes a lot of problems and a lot of disasters a lot of woe, and a lot of struggles, and a lot of heartache, a lot of grief. But God is still the ultimate over it all. I have given all your land to Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. All nations shall serve him and his son and his son's son until the time of of, this, of, his, of his land comes, and then many nations and great kings shall make him serve them. Very interesting prophecy. Now we look back and we can see it fulfilled exactly as God said. So really amazing. The Bible's amazing. Filled with these prophecies, very bold prophecies, that are fulfilled to the minutia of it. That Babylon would be his servant, that God would use Babylon, and God did use Babylon... Judah does get taken captive all the way. These other nations listed all get taken captive. So that's prophecy number one, that part, and that's against several nations. So that's several prophecies being fulfilled right there. Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar does surrender to the Lord and becomes his servant not as his tool only, but as a believing child of God. And Babylon reigns through Nebuchadnezzar through his son, and then through his grandson, his son's son. And then after that, Medo Persia comes in during Belteshazzar. So, exactly as it says, it doesn't say for generations, it, doesn't say, it says son and son's son. And then many nations and great kings shall make him serve them. Babylon would be taken over, and it is taken over by. Medo-Persia, two-nation nation right there in and of itself, and it's taken over, and then Babylon becomes servant to Medo-Persia and other areas that it gets broken up into. So exactly as God prophesied, so it comes to pass. So it's interesting, he's telling Jeremiah, go tell these other kings to serve Babylon. Babylon. I also spoke to Zedekiah king of Judah saying, bring your necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him and live. Why will you die, you and your people, by the sword, by the famine and by the pestilence as the Lord has spoken against the nation that will not serve the king of Babylon? Now does that sound like a message of the Lord? If you were to read this prophecy, and a prophet, prophecy of one of the other prophets in Jerusalem at that time that are telling Zedekiah, God is on our side. We're God's people. We're the chosen people. God has called us. God has said that he will have a, to the blessings to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, that the blessings that have been promised to David and his prosperity, that we will have a king on the throne until the Messiah comes. God's going to wipe out Nebuchadnezzar, that uncircumcised Babylonian, don't you worry, God's on our side. Which sounds more like a message of God? Or serve Babylon, submit to the pagan, heathen, cruel king. Which sounds more like a message from God? I, mean, I think that helps to put it in perspective of why it was hard for Zedekiah and these others to believe Jeremiah. It doesn't sound like a godly message. But even though God is the ruler over the universe, we're stuck on this planet. And this planet is ruled. Satan is the prince of this earth. Satan roams to and fro throughout this earth seeming seeing whom he may devour. And even when God has his righteous servants, we're still fair game for Satan to harass with sickness and woe and death and destruction and loss, as we have in this account of Job, losing all his property, losing all his possessions. There's buildings collapsing, children dying, getting plagued with boils and problems. We're still on this earth. We're not in heaven yet. And while we're here, sometimes we have to serve the king of Babylon. Maybe your boss is the king of Babylon. sometimes we have to submit to things that we wouldn't naturally do. Now there is a line, there is a red line that we cannot allow our boss or our landlord or our parents or our spouse or anyone else in our lives to allow us to cross God's word, his commandments. Right, so if the boss asks you to lie or to steal or to break the Sabbath or kill or whatever, there are some red lines that we say no to. But if he asks you to sweep the floor and you've got a doctorate degree you know, or whatever and that's not in my job description, yeah, but I'm asking you to sweep the floor, <laughs> sometimes we have to serve Babylon. Right? And Lord might ask you to cut the grass more often than you think needs to be. Or some other thing. And there's times where we need to just serve where we are. This country, the United States, and this accounts for all the other countries of the world, Israel included, are not directly under God's domain. God is not king of any of the nations on the earth today. And sometimes we have to serve Babylon. Sometimes we have to pay taxes maybe more than we think just. Maybe those funds are not used as we think they should be. Or we have to get certain licenses for certain things. And sometimes we have to serve Babylon. Because that's where we're at. In this world. This country, I believe, is much better than many of the other countries in the world. If not all other countries in the world. But still, it's Babylon to a great degree and becoming more and more so all the time. Now, yes, Revelation says, Flee Babylon. And we need to flee Babylon. It's kind of that, you know, saying live in the world, but be not of the world. We live here. You can't just go and be a hermit in a cave somewhere and think we're serving God. We need to mingle, inter. need to intermingle, we need to be a shining light to those around us. But don't get caught up in the confusion. Don't get dragged down by the sins of this nation and of the world and of those around us. Don't let them rub off on us, but let God's glory shine forth and be a blessing to them. And so, yes, even Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah and Ezra and others got taken and physically went to Babylon and others as well, many others as well. And so served Babylon willingly, and not only in obedience, but in heart and spirit and soul and mind. They just bought into the culture and the life of it, worshiped their idols, and served Babylon all the way. But then we have other shining examples like Daniel, and the others I mentioned, who lived in Babylon, served Babylon, even like Daniel and his friends, in the court of the king, serving the king. But we're not in heart and soul a part of Babylon. Daniel had his red lines and he was willing to die for it. I'm not gonna eat that pig, I'm not gonna eat that stuff. That's my red line, you can kill me, I don't care. Now he didn't say it that way, he was very tactful. (laughs) But he had his biblical standard that he held to. You can't tell me not to pray. I've got to pray. It's my lifeline. Throw me in the lion's den if you want. I'm going to pray. Going to worship God and only God. So There are some red lines. But we see in the life of Daniel and others like him a way to serve God while still living in Babylon. and still even serving Babylon in certain ways. That's the balance. You know, there's some groups that that refuse to pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I have no problem with that, pledging allegiance to the the United States, allegiance to it, not as first. God pledged allegiance to God first, but I pledge allegiance to other things as well. I pledge allegiance to my wife, pledge allegiance to raise the children, pledge allegiance to the congregation, pledge allegiance to the country I was born and am a citizen of. Doesn't mean I have to partake in the sins of everyone in this nation. It's that balance between the two. So while while Jeremiah's prophecies here were no doubt strange to the people then and maybe strange to us today, there is a time we need to know when God is calling us to stand strong like a Hezekiah and not yield. And other times when we do the biddings because of the surroundings around us. We need to be in tune with God to know when is the right time. Do not listen to the words of the prophets who say, You shall not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy a lie to you. I have not sent them, says the Lord. They prophesy a lie in my name, that I may drive you out, and that you may perish, and you and your prophets who prophesy to you. So yeah, there were other prophets giving messages like I described. It's knowing the the voice of God that only comes in spending time with him on a daily basis, getting to know him on a personal level that we can know right from wrong, choose from error. Really, Jeremiah's prophecy, while it seemed strange and again was different than what Hezekiah and others said, but we look at what Solomon prophesied, and others down we should have seen it coming and knew it was coming. I said to the Kohanim and to all the people, the Lord says, do not listen to the words of those prophets who say the vessels of the Lord's house will shortly be brought back from Babylon. They lie. Do not listen to them. Serve the king of Babylon and live. Why should this city be laid waste? Thus says the Lord of hosts, verse 21, the God of Israel, the vessels that remain in the house of the Lord and in the house of the king of Judah and Jerusalem, they shall be carried to Babylon. And there they shall be until the day that I visit them. Then I will bring them up and restore them to this place. So Jeremiah's message ends with hope. Yes, it's going to be taken. Yes, it's going to all be taken to Babylon. He's come through twice already. He's coming through another time, and it's all going to Babylon. All the vessels are going to go. Almost all the people are going to go. And so go willingly, pay your taxes cheerfully, serve the country. Show up when the boss tells you to. Again, as long as it doesn't break one of God's commandments. Do what they tell you to. Again, as long as it doesn't break one of God's commandments. Do it cheerfully as unto the Lord, serving God and serving those that He's placed in our lives. But then I will bring them up and restore them to this place. Our life here is just temporary. We're passing through. We're just foreigners in this world. We're just sojourners here. We're just stopping for a pause on our way to heaven. God will take us there. God will bring us to his new Jerusalem. God will restore us to the Garden of Eden once again. It's what he did for 70 years after the captivity, 70 years after Jerusalem was destroyed, God brought us back. The temple was rebuilt. And the items were restored. And the temple services went on again. Pointing forward to the Messiah, the Lamb of God, who is the ultimate temple, who is the ultimate one. Even Yeshua himself came to this earth and dwelt here on this earth. Submitted himself to the ways of Babylon, which that time they were doing. Many ways. Submitted to his parents. Submitted to many things. Lived here. But did not let it become him. And he also was restored to the place where he came from. He also was brought back to his father's throne. He was placed at the right hand of the Father once again, and reigning in power and in might. So God has allowed this earth to be taken over by Satan. He could have stopped it, but he didn't. He knew better. We're passing through. God will bring us back to that Garden of Eden state once again. But in the meantime, here and now, serve the Lord fully and completely, and alone, him alone, And sometimes God tells us to serve those around us as well for a time until the time of restoration comes. Keep our eyes focused on the hope before us, on the goal before us, on his salvation that he has paid for us. Come out of Babylon in heart and mind. Don't let sin enter any way, shape, or form. Be pure in mind and heart all the way through and through. But as we serve the Lord, serve those that he has placed us among. So maybe there's a message for us there today. that will be helpful in your life. It'll be helpful in my life. As we continue on in this world, this dark, ugly, dirty planet. Keeping our eyes focused on the light. Moving forward by God's grace and God's strength. And may we surrender all to him. So as we prepare to pray, if there's any Babylon still in our hearts and mind, any areas of this world, any longing like Lot's wife, looking back at Sodom and Gomorrah, not wanting to fully leave it, any area that we are attached to the confusion of this world, in doctrine or in heart or in spirit or in action, we're still living for this world, and the things of this world. And we're cooperating with sin and evil in any way, shape, or form. And we pray, let us surrender that and come out of Babylon and flee Babylon and run from Babylon in that way, in that sense. And flee into God's arms, accepting the Messiah's sacrifice for the forgiveness and the cleansing and the deliverance and accepting his Holy Spirit to fill us with his power and his glory to we live pure and holy lives just as Yeshua did here on this earth. So if that applies to you when we pray, ask God to work that in your life. Maybe in your work situation or in your life situation, maybe in your co-op or in your subdivision or in your home or in some way, shape or form, God has placed you under some other authority in our nation, in our city. And some things you might not agree with. Some things might be totally off. Some things might be wrong, but not sin. And yet for a time, God has called us to cooperate with the powers that be. Maybe that applies to some area in your life. as we work together and walk together with humanity. And may God make us like a Daniel and be a blessing and turn even Nebuchadnezzars to the Lord. May God, through our lives, like a Joseph, through our godly lives in the midst of Egypt, in the midst of Babylon, in the midst of this world, make us a blessing by showing godly meekness and boldness, humbleness, and strength, all mixed together in serving the Lord. So maybe there's some area of your life that God's showing you, that he's calling you to submit to. When we pray, you can ask God to do that in your life. And maybe there's someone God's calling you to witness to. Maybe there's someone passing by in your path. Maybe the kings of the areas around us are coming past your life. Maybe in your workplace, maybe anywhere you go to school, maybe where you live, maybe in this town. God's calling us to be like a Jeremiah and send them back a message that God is still on the throne, that God is the creator of all the heavens and the earth. And if that's where you're at in your life tonight, ask God to give you the boldness and the words and the the tact to say and to do and to give the right thing to these people. Maybe a yoke, maybe a track, maybe a card. <laughs> those areas apply to your life. May we walk with the Lord and hear His calling in our life and heart. Or maybe you've been discouraged, maybe you see just everything just seems to be going to Babylon. All my possessions seem to be going to Babylon. All I work hard and all this is going to taxes. All this is going here. I'm paying all this rent or I'm paying all this mortgage. The bank is taking everything. Everything seems to be going here. Gasoline, insurance, all seems to be going, all these things, these corporate companies, they own everything and they're just sucking us out. God says he's going to restore. Turn it over to the Lord. Put him first. Trust not in the riches of this world. Your time is getting eaten up. God's going to give us eternity with him. God's going to bring us back to his original plan. Keep focused on that and don't worry about the things of this world. So you've been tempted to be discouraged or depressed. just see the things in this world turning worse and worse and they're going to get worse and worse. Hold on to the Lord and not the things of this world. If any of those areas apply to you, hang on to the Lord. Claim his grace and claim his promises as we pray together. Our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe, we praise your name and we're thankful for your word and we're thankful for faithful Jeremiah Had such a difficult life. But remain faithful to you. May we remain faithful to you as well. Even as we live here in the midst of this world, in this city, in this state, in this country. Lord, make us shining lights. Live in us and through us. Remove out of us everything that's not of heaven through your grace, through your power, through your sacrifice, through the death of the Messiah. And through his resurrection, Lord God, live in us. and Give us the power to live your life in the midst of this world with hope, with faith, with strength, with power, with your glory in Yeshua's holy name. Amen.